All right. Well, what do you think? Should we get this show on the road? Sure. I want to start out with the um, children's message this morning. Haley and however many big kids we have here. And uh, then we'll, we'll go from there. Okay. So I have this morning uh, a bunch of hats. Uh, I have a baseball hat that I wear sometimes to uh, keep my head a little warmer, keep the sun out of my eyes kind of thing. Uh, it's not so long that I was wearing this kind of hat because I'd probably wear one today if I was out because uh, it's cold outside. So we got to protect our uh, Oh wow, that does, that's not uh, catching the virtual. I get, wow, that looks really strange. Well, anyway, it's supposed to be cowboy hat. There we go that I can wear to be a cowboy. And the point I'm making this morning is that mothers for Mother's Day, uh, mothers wear a whole lot of different hats. They just do so many things for us that we're thankful for. And uh, I just wanna run down a list of a few. I'll probably miss some here, but they can be to us an academic advisor, an accountant, an art director, an athletic director, a bookkeeper, a buyer, a CEO, a coach, a daycare teacher, a dietitian, an event planner, an executive housekeeper, facilities director, groundskeeper, interior designer, janitor, judge, laundry manager, life coach nurse or doctor, photographer, psychologist, tailor, and teacher, among other things. Uh, there's a website out that's um, salary.com, and they put all these things in together that moms do, and they came up with a figure, plug your ears, dads, um, or maybe I should say plug your ears, moms, but uh, as of 2018, with all these different hats that moms wear, you should be earning about $162,000 a year for all that you do. Um, and I just think that kids of any age need to be grateful and thankful for the many hats that you wear. And um, uh, especially if we have our moms to be able to hug and to love and tell them that we appreciate them uh man oh man where would we be without moms so uh thank you moms for all the hats you wear thank you for the special ways that you minister to us in our lives ever since we're little even when we're big boy i miss my mom uh <laughs> i would still be calling my mom and uh for different things because uh, she was just awesome in my life. So again, moms, thank you. And kids, love your moms. Give them an extra hug today. 
and uh, let them know you appreciate them. And now I want to, if I can, play a video for you. We are moms who are pouring ourselves into our children every hour of every day. We are grandmothers who are also playing the role of primary caretaker. We are moms who are waiting to have children and trying our best to see the struggle through the eyes of God. We are moms who are learning the challenges of a blended family. We are moms in the workplace who are trying our best to balance competing expectations and demands. We are moms with adult children who are leaving our homes to pursue their own dreams. For packing lunches late at night. For cleaning out their backpacks and filling them again. For offering gentle guidance to your own grown children. For becoming taxi drivers and appointment schedulers. For making sure the right baby doll is in their arms before they go to sleep. For helping them pay back their student loans. For cleaning and sterilizing and cooking. For doing their laundry and his laundry and our laundry. For praying and loving and forgiving and falling down and rising to your feet again. For the mom who is overworked and exhausted. For the mom who seems to spend a million hours on a million little things. For the mom who pours Jesus into her family as best she can. And God himself not only celebrates what you do, but rejoices over the uniqueness of who you are. You are seen and you are loved without limits. Welcome to Mother's Day. All right, moms. Thank you so much for that. And all the more as the um, coronavirus is going on and uh, the extra stresses of that and being more teacherish. <laughs> uh, and having to deal with all kinds of different changes. Again, you guys are incredible. Ladies are incredible. And uh, we appreciate it so, so very much. You're loved. You're thought of today and every day, hopefully. Um, just want to honor you in a special way today. And I also find it very interesting that here it is on Mother's Day that our next section in the book of John just happens to be about an important event, actually the very first public miracle in the ministry of Jesus, and one in which his mother had a very pivotal, pivotal role. Um, so as we look at it today, not only I think will we be able to continue to honor moms, but there's plenty for all of us in this to take away. So let's look at it this morning. John chapter two, beginning at verse one. Scripture says this, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? 
my hour has not yet come. And his mother said to his servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each, ho each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, now draw out some and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So, there was this wedding. The couple here are not named, uh, which I think suggests that they were not prominent, they were not well known. Uh, why is this important? Because Jesus will choose them and their wedding to reveal himself to the world. So can I say this this morning, that nobody is a nobody to Jesus. There is nobody less worthy of his time, nobody less worthy of his attention, his effort, or his love. So if you are an anybody, you are somebody to Jesus. And if we are followers of Jesus, then anybody's should be somebody's to us as well. So that's today's message. Um, how about you want to go into next week's as long as we have some time? Okay, sounds good to me. <laughs> the next thing that we see is that John felt that it was important to say that Jesus' mother was there. He, he adds that to the narrative. Jesus' mother was there. That would tell me that this was either a relative or a neighbor, a close friend. Somehow, Jesus' mother had a vested interest in this wedding. And Jesus himself was also invited with his disciples, again, seemingly for his personal connection to uh, this family. So um, I just tuck that in the back of your mind for a minute. Go down to verse three. And the scripture says, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Now, culturally speaking, you and I have to understand, um, and let me, let me read this according to the Bible exposition commentary uh, from Warren Wearsby, among others. Uh, he says this, since Jewish weddings uh, lasted, the, the feast lasted a week, it was necessary for the groom to have adequate provisions. For one thing, it would be embarrassing to run out of either food or wine, and a family guilty of such a thing could actually be fined. Can you imagine that? <laughs> they could be fined. Uh, so to run out of wine would be costly, both financially and absolutely socially. Okay. Uh, so here they are in this predicament. And Mary, who I understand that the, the women and men at those times sat in different places. She, the women would have been back closer to where the servants were and everything. And uh, 
So she sees that this is going on first, she discovers the wine has run out. And so this family whom uh, Mary knows well, they are about to become the fodder, if you will, for gossip and ridicule for like years, all right? They're not gonna live this down. Everybody's gonna talk about this wedding and, and what happened. So here is Mary, full of empathy and compassion, and she gives the news to Jesus, knowing that he alone could help. I mean, you just didn't hop in the car and go to the liquor store and grab a few more cases of wine. It just didn't happen that way. You know, you're talking travel and donkeys and, and you know, all this kind of stuff, these big casks, and um, it, it just, this was not going to happen uh, quickly here at all. And uh, so there was no earthly way to get this kind of quantity uh, before the damage was done. But look, if you will, at this mother's heart. Look at Mary, who is, um, you know, mothers. Think of mothers for a minute. They are, by and large, our biggest cheerleaders, aren't they? They are the ones, no matter who we are, no matter what our skill level is, we are a champion. We are the greatest. We can do anything. And, and moms are right there behind us. Thank you so much, moms, for that, because there are a lot of times uh, we are insecure in life, and we just appreciate that so much. Um, so um, Mary knows who Jesus is, right? Um, not so much even looking at his being the son of God by this point, but she, she knows that he has special abilities, but she also knows his heart. She knows the kind of person that he is. And so she comes to him knowing that he is going to be full of compassion. He is going to want to do something to help this family. She believes in him. However, um, Jesus at this point had not done any public miracle. So when Mary tells him the problem, look what he says to her in verse four. He says, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, first thing we need to understand is this term, woman is not derogatory. He's not saying, woman, you know, um, this is, in, the, in that day and time, this is more like ma'am, okay? Um, Jesus uses this term affectionately to her from the cross when he provides for her. He says, woman, behold your son. He's, uh, and son, or, or says to John, behold your mother. He is um, making sure that she is provided for and, uh, you know, in the last. So that, that term woman is not derogatory. Uh, but um, what, 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 is, what is he saying? So basically Jesus is saying, Ma'am, you, you have to understand, I only do the will of heaven. And the time for me to reveal myself publicly in Israel has not yet been given to me by the Father. I mean, didn't Jesus say elsewhere? He says, I only do what the Father tells me to do. Jesus didn't step in and do things on his own. He was perfectly 
in line with the will of the father. And the father did not tell him it's time to start your public ministry. So he's telling his mother this. But his mom, and this is cute, she basically ignores him and turns to the servants and says, hey, do whatever my boy says here. You've got to listen to him and just, I mean, she doesn't, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But hey, listen, you know, um, but I, I, it's kind of cute in that scenario, but I, I don't really think that's what's going on. Um, good, good to get a laugh. But what we actually see here, I believe, is that Mary is a person of very strong and very bold faith. See, it wasn't just that she knew um, what her earthly son was capable of um, and, and what kind of character he had. She knew what God was capable of and what kind of character that he has. We see this in Mary's great, 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 great grandfather, King David. If you read the Psalms, David was always appealing to God's character. He would say, Lord, um, do such and such according to your great mercy, according to your steadfast love. God, in your wonderful compassion, do such and such. So David, in his relationship with God, in his knowing the heart of God and who God was, um, would appeal to that in his prayers. And I think this, we see the same thing going on with Mary. But there was a boldness here, too. Mary had that same attitude that we saw last week in Jacob, who, who said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Uh, same situation we saw with the Canaanite woman who had, uh, her, her daughter was demon possessed. And Jesus says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. And uh, it's, not, uh, it's not proper to give the, the children's food to the dogs. And that, that's a whole nother story. Again, um, he's testing her here. And she comes back with, yeah, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that, that fall under the master's table. And he says, I haven't found faith like this. Uh, even in Israel, he said, your, your faith is great. Go, your daughter will be well. And she, she wouldn't give up. She wouldn't be deterred. She got a hold of him and, and again, appealed to the nature. You even let your dogs eat the crumbs so you can at least do that for me. And uh, there's something about that bold faith that touches the heart of God. And I don't know whether Mary in discovering this, had said some quick prayers. I don't know if the Spirit of God just, uh, you know, because she had a strong relationship with the Lord. I don't know if, if the Spirit of God rose up within her and said, you know, this is, this is what I want to do. But um, she knew that she knew that she knew deep in her heart that the Father was going to respond to this, and he did. And he directed Jesus accordingly. He said, okay, you have my permission. It is time. Go ahead and start your earthly ministry. And so I'm, I'm calling this message the faith that changed history. Because God used the faith of Mary to launch the public ministry of Jesus. She was involved in that. And all through the scriptures, you and I see God taking the faith of people, 
who will, who will grab a hold of him, who will believe him for things. God will use them as part of his evolving story, part of his miracles, part of his, the, the revelation of himself to the world. And uh, so I think that's awesome. And uh, uh, I, I see that in Mary this morning. Moving on to verse six. Says now there were six stone water jars here there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. And Jesus says to the servants, Fill the jars with water, and they fill them to the brim. And then he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. So here were these very large stone jars that were, the Bible says, used for purification. Elsewhere in the Gospels, when we read uh, the, the Pharisees, if you remember, got mad at uh, Jesus's disciples at one point because they were eating with unwashed hands. They had twisted the law uh, into a tradition that said, if you eat with unwashed hands, you're defiling yourself religiously and, uh, and you're unclean before God. And they were just incensed that the disciples were eating with unwashed hands. And that's when Jesus came back and said to them, uh, no, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles someone, but what comes out of their heart. You know, Jesus nailed it as he always did. But so these stone jars would have been used in this instance for the guests coming in, washing their hands, as was the tradition um, before they ate. And uh, so now they're, they're sitting here empty and Jesus tells them to fill them with water, which they do. Now. In the series that Kathleen and I watched, The Chosen, which I would recommend, it's on YouTube, a uh, wonderful series, The Life of Jesus. And um, uh, what, what he does there, which is not mentioned in scripture, but it gives us a good picture in our minds. Uh, he sends them all out and he prays and he says, Father, I'm ready. And he puts his hand in the water and it changes into wine. Could it have happened like that? Absolutely. But again, the scripture isn't clear on the details. But one way or another, Jesus turns the water into wine. And not just any wine, because when they take this to the master of the feast, the guy in charge of, of the banquet, right? He, he tastes it and he calls to the groom and he says, listen, uh, in essence, he says this, wow, most people, uh, you know, they serve the good wine first, then when people have had a little, then they bring out the cheap stuff because nobody knows the difference, right? It's a way to save money, uh, stretch the budget, if you will. But you guys, I, I, I don't get it. You wait till now to bring out the good stuff, the best wine. Um, so this is, this is a, you know, a, a big thing here. Um, so not only is this couple not embarrassed, but likewise, they're going to be talking about that for years to come. They, they did something totally, you know, new and different. They brought out the best wine, right? Now, they tell me that there is a lot that goes into making really good wine. You've got, you've got exceptional fruit, you know, the grapes itself, the aging, the temperature, uh, what you store it in. Uh, in those days, they had different spices that they would put in to, uh, to add a little flavor to the mix and, and all that kind of thing. So, et cetera, et cetera, right? 
So think about it. Not only did Jesus um, save this couple from embarrassment, but he did it with style. He didn't give them barely what was needed. He didn't make cheap stuff. He did abundance. He gave them somewhere between 120 and 180 gallons worth of choice wine. Jesus went overboard. Their cup overflowed. So what is the takeaway from this first of Jesus's miracles? A few things. Number one, we see in Mary a mother who believes in her son, right? Um, as mothers do. And the question is, what if we took a page out of Mary's book and lovingly looked for the best in others and encouraged the best in others? We have this rotten tendency in our world because of the way our world is to just uh, expect the worst out of people, right? And to complain about the worst out of people. But what if we start believing in people? What if we start encouraging people? What if um, we take that page out of Mary's book? Can we make some changes? I think so. Some good ones. Number two, we also see a person here in Mary who comes to the Lord Again, with that bold sense of faith, knowing and trusting in the character of God. And that is a knowledge and a faith that is built from relationship and from experience. She'd known the Lord. You know, he obviously he came to her, uh, chose her because of her, uh, of who she was in her heart and chose her to bear the son of God, and she has walked with God, you know, these many years. She knows who he is. She knows what he's capable of. The miracle that he did in her life, which could have been embarrassing for her being pregnant out of wedlock and the whole deal, she knows who God is, and she reaches to that, and she expects God to do uh, great things. So, that's a knowledge and a faith that you and I don't just flip a switch. It's born in relationship. It's born in experience. It's born as we walk with the Lord and uh, put our tr trust in him and, and get into the word and see who God is and look at his character and nature. And like David, begin to uh, appeal to that nature in our prayers. God, you are compassionate. You are merciful. You do uh, love with an end, unending love. So God, work in my situation and in my life. Uh, number three, we see a God who responds to the need of an anybody. Because in him, to him, there is somebody. So today, if you take anything away from this miracle to this unnamed couple, if you're an anybody, you're a somebody with God. He, he will give his time and attention to you just like he will to anybody else. He has no favorites. Amen. And finally, look how 
God responds here. Not with a bare minimum, but with abundance. I think we, we, we need to think about this in our prayers. And I'm not talking name it and claim it here. I'm not talking, okay, uh, we're going to claim a Cadillac and all that nonsense. But I think sometimes we set our expectations on God very low. That, that he's going to give us just enough to get through. That he's going to give us just enough to squeak by. That, that this is probably my cross to bear. And, 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 and maybe, I don't know, maybe because we think we're nobodies. That, you know, God isn't going to do something fabulous here. He's just going to give me enough. Um, that, that I'm going to make it through this. Um, think of Paul's thorn in the flesh. Where... He was at a place of weakness and, and begging the Lord three times, Lord, get me out of this situation. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in your weakness. And so Paul walks away from that situation saying, when I am weak, then am I strong. Paul found a strength. For, so for him to be able to turn around and testify, therefore, I delight in weaknesses and hardships because when I'm weak, then am I strong. What he got in his situation was not just a little bit, not just enough to squeak by. He found strength. He found abundance. And I think we can raise the level of our faith, raise the level of our expectation on God to not just uh, do a little bit, but to glorify his name as he steps into the circumstances of our lives so that we are, um, our, our faith is strengthened, that we even get blown away a little bit sometimes, but then we can talk to other people who are going through situations say, let me tell you what God did for me. Let me tell you who this God is who actually loves us and cares about us. We need to see that today. So, my Bible says that God is the God who can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or even think. So let's do that. Let's raise our level of expectation. Let's grab a hold of that bold faith and believe God for not just little things, but big things. As we pray for our, our hearts, our own hearts, and, and who we want to become in Jesus, as we pray for our church, as we pray for our community, as we pray for our, our, our lost loved ones, whatever the situation is, let's believe God for more. Amen? And if he'll do those things for an unknown couple in Cana, he will do those things for nobody's like you and I, because we are somebodies to him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you consider us a somebody, somebody uniquely created by your awesome hands. And Lord, we, we know our warts and our failures and all this stuff, but Lord, you love us. You love us just the way we are and we thank you for that lord help us to grasp that today help us to understand that you don't have favorites help us to uh 
take this word and come boldly into your presence with our head held high, knowing that we're loved. And as we bring to you, Lord, our situations, help us, God, to believe you for big things that you might be glorified in and through our lives. Thank you. Once again, Lord, we thank you for the mothers who uh, model that so much to us, that unconditional love and support. And may we, Lord, uh, be ever appreciative of them as they show us that part of your character. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.